Um, I feel like we just need to stand up. And uh, that was kind of a long sit, wasn't it? If you are like a little fidgety like me and you need to like stretch, I don't know, whatever you need to do to like get ready. <laughs> Carrie's doing sit and be fit. Sit and be fit is an option. You guys, does anyone else have a um, issue with uh, bad drivers? Yeah, yeah. I can't even tell you how frustrated I get. Being cut off is the worst. When you're like being pushed from behind, it makes my blood boil. Because I'm like, I am going the limit. Now, well, maybe five over, just confession. Um, and now you're making, you're pushing, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I'm not alone. Uh, what about, <laughs> anyone have a coworker? that you're like, man, I hope they quit. I just, I don't want to have to do this anymore with them. Yeah, yeah, I know. My husband, who is pretty much the most amazing human I've met, he's incredibly good, you know? He leaves socks on the floor. And it makes me crazy, babe, right? I'm like, what am I? A slave? You've got to pick your socks up? But he would pick his own socks up, but he doesn't care about them. So no big deal. And literally everywhere, in the carpet room, carpet room, it's the only room in our house with carpet, in the carpet room, <laughs> in our bedroom, like everywhere, he just whatever takes the socks off. Anyone else have a roommate that's like, or a spouse that you're like, you do crazy things? But, he, but I have an equivalent, I use, um, uh, electrolyte packets for my water, and I just zip the top off and put it in, and I leave the pack. I'm in a rush to get out, right? And so then Josh will be like, these are my socks. Like, these drive him <laughs> crazy. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> it's like the, the only thing we really fight about is socks and packets. Of, yeah. Um, I just think some people get under your skin, you know? Maybe there's somebody here on Sundays that when you see them, you're like, and I'm going to go this way. Right? Sometimes, you know, you, just, you don't have to be best friends with everyone, and sometimes there are people that you don't even want to be worst friends with. It's like, <laughs> you go that way, I go this way. I don't know. Anyone have anyone in their life that has really hurt you? Like, really hurt you? Maybe someone who is judgmental and condescending and likes to pick at you every time you see them? Or um, someone who you have explained, hey, when you say those things, that really hurts me. Or when you do that, it really upsets my heart, and they continue to do it anyway. You're like, what? <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Like, I was vulnerable with you, and that didn't change a thing? You care for me so little that that's how you treat me? Do you have anyone that when you think of them, you get like a ugh in your stomach? Or maybe a flash of anger? Maybe someone you're going to spend Thanksgiving with? Or maybe they're the reason why you are not going to Thanksgiving lunch this year? What do we do with extremely difficult relationships? What are we supposed to do with them? 
it's pretty popular these days to say, well, they're so toxic, I should not have to deal with that in my life, so I'm cutting them out, right? Right? And I think there are times when that is appropriate. Today, I do not want to talk about abusive relationships or extremely, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's a bigger discussion. I want to talk about the medium to large <laughs> relational issues, not the very, very, very difficult. Does that make sense? <laughs> I feel like that's, there's a lot of spectrum here in the hurt realm. Um, what are we supposed to do with relationships that just are not good? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Does that sound okay? We're in John 20. If you have your Bibles, you can pull them out. We're going to open John 20. And who's praying for me? Did we come up with someone? RK? Robert Kelly is praying for me today. That's very exciting. Robert, do you know that the word that you gave during worship is the sermon today? Do you guys, wait till you hear it. It's bananas. And I was like, what an obscure passage to read during worship. Did anyone else feel that? You're like, that is a very interesting, just you wait. It's phenomenal. Thanks, Robert. Lord, we lift up Justine. We thank you that today you have anointed her to bring the word, to preach the word. Um, she is your ambassador to us today. Even as we are all ambassadors for Christ, um, she is your special ambassador today, God. And Lord, I pray that you would touch our hearts. She can't touch our hearts, but you can. She can bring the word, and then you have to do the rest, God. So we ask you to anoint it. We ask you to bless the preaching of the word today, God, and that our hearts would be changed from the greatest among us to the least, God. Th those of us who've been Christians our entire lives and those who've never heard the word before, that it would convict us, God, that it would change our hearts and our minds and the way that we live our lives, God. And Lord, I lift up um, Redeemer Church in La Mirada, California, and I pray that uh, the preaching of, the, of your word uh, there, Lord, would, would bear fruit as well, um, and that people would come to a new understanding of you and a new vision of you there this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Robert. All right, John 20. It is Resurrection Day. And, um, the, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago, um, that everyone was hiding, right, because they were worried about who was next, who will be crucified next. <laughs> all, the, all of Jesus' followers were pretty terrified, and they're in a room. Um, and so this is where we're picking up. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And said to them, all right, so here's the deal. Jesus has been on the planet for 33-ish years, right? His death is why he came. True? Okay, he's been gone for three days, two, two and a half days. <laughs> and this is the first thing he's going to say to them. I have high expectations. I feel like Jesus, the first words, I mean, the last words Jesus said before he ascended to heaven are, what are they? The last thing Jesus said to us. 
Go and make disciples of all nations, the Great Commission. It's what we live by. We think those words are pretty important, right? So the first words after he died and was resurrected, those must be equally important. True? Okay. So then I want something grand. Like, I would like him to be like, so, (laughs) I've been gone for three days. You want to know what I've been up to? Just, you know, defeating Satan and releasing people from the bonds of eternal damnation. (laughs) Kind of like when Gandalf the Grey, run, you fools. And he... Do you guys know what I'm talking about? And then he, def- he battles the fire in the darkness. What's his name? Bell? Bell Rom? I can't. I can't do it. Um, anyway. <laughs> Josh loves the movies. I'm a secondhand viewer of the... <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Do any- <laughs> Lord of the Rings. I'll just bring you all up to speed. Lord of the Rings? No? Okay. Okay. So he battles the fire and the darkness and then he comes back as Gandalf the White. And it's like this epic thing. He did these things and he battled the... That's what I want Jesus to come back with. I want him to be like, and I battled. And I want to, just, I want to hear what happened. You know what I'm saying? The very first thing. For all eternity, Yahweh's been waiting for this moment. The first thing he says, it's none of that. I'm personally disappointed. Are you ready? Peace be with you. Well, because they were freaked. Okay, so that's why. Um, When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord because at first they were freaked and then he was like, you guys, it's me. Check me out. It's me. And so it was almost like they were in uh, defensive mode and now they're in discovery mode because now they're glad to see him. You, you, You feeling the jive of what's going on with the disciples? Okay. So he said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. This is commission. This is our mandate. Ready for it? (laughs) When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. (sighs) If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What? (laughs) This is the first thing Jesus says? I don't know. Anyone else go, what? Have you read this before and thought, what? (laughs) This is the first thing he says to them. And so, you guys, this is, you know, this is what I do as I'm reading the word. I read the Bible and we talk about speed bumps, right? This would be a speed bump for me. Not what I want Jesus to say. I want him to have more exciting things than this. So I asked Father, why is this the first thing Jesus said? And I immediately saw an image in my mind of a very rustic, sturdy birdcage looking thing. You know, the ones that are like this shape, like a bell shape. About this high. And inside it was a human, squished up inside it, desperate, wild, caged, unable to get out. Rudimentary clip art version. (laughs) I wish I could just like put my head out so you could see what it was, but Father said to me, this is what it is to live unforgiven. 
humanity is in a state of unforgiveness without Jesus. We are caged and desperate and not ourselves. Caged beings are not themselves. You know what I mean? This is why the forgiveness mandate came first from Jesus' mouth. Because Jesus' whole ministry was about forgiveness. So let's look at this a little more. We're going to watch a video. I don't know that I told the sound guys that there would be video. Are you guys set for that? Thumbs up. Right, we're going to watch a short video and just think about our cagedness of unforgiveness. Let's start over, guys, once you have sound. Wait for it, it really ties in with what Robert spoke during worship. Best tech team on the planet, thank you guys so much. <laughs> I'm just clicking back till we really have sound. There's no audio, then if you go to the Dropbox, this clip um, is in the Dropbox. I'm going to go on and keep talking, and then we'll come back to it. Is that okay, guys? You track with me on that? All right. So, um, you got it? Okay. Well, that was good. We all long for the world to be good, for people to live in peace, act with love and justice, but there's a problem. Something compels us humans to constantly wreak havoc and destruction instead, and we call this evil. And from the Bible's point of view, evil ruins things in at least two ways. There's a direct effect of our evil, like when someone steals from another person, they've created injustice. Hmm. You know, therefore, you know, they owe something to make it right. But there's another indirect effect of evil, because they've also ruined the environment of the relationship, creating a lack of trust, there's emotional damage. It's like vandalism, and they need to make that right, too. Now, many people believe, hey, God is good. He should be the one to just get rid of all the evil in the world. But let's be honest. I mean, the evil that I see everywhere out there, it's the same evil that's inside of me. We have all contributed, and, and we keep doing it. And so this kind of puts us in a bind. If God's going to rid the world of evil, he'll have to get rid of us. 
And this is what's so remarkable about the story of the Bible. This God is so good that not only is he going to rid the world of evil, he's going to do it without destroying humanity. So how is he going to do that? Well, early in the story of the Bible, we're introduced to this practice of animal sacrifice, which I know, it seems weird to us, but for the Israelites, it was a very powerful symbol of God's justice and of his grace. So remember, I'm a contributor to the evil that's in the world. I should be removed. But God is allowing this animal's life to be a substitute. It's symbolically dying in my place. And the biblical word for this is atonement, which means to cover over someone's death. But there's a second part to this ritual. Remember, evil also causes this relational vandalism. And in the Bible, this idea is described as polluting or defiling the land and making it unclean. So the priest would symbolically wash away the vandalism by sprinkling the animal's blood in different parts of the temple. So the animal's blood is cleaning things? Well, remember, this is a symbol, and it's a symbol that we're not used to. The blood represents life. And the sprinkling of the blood is this representation of how God is cleaning away these indirect consequences of evil in their community. In the Bible, this process is called purification. And so the temple and the land now become a clean space where God and his people can live together in peace. So this ritual makes things right between Israel and God. And more than that, the Israelites experience God's love and his grace through these symbols. And by being forgiven, ideally, this would compel them to become people of love and grace too. Right, that's the ideal, but it wasn't always happening. Right. So the prophet Isaiah, for example, he talks a lot about this. He opens his book by saying that the continual sacrifices of the Israelites had become meaningless because they were also allowing great evil in their midst, ignoring the poor and the oppressed. Even the Israelite kings were distorting justice. (laughs) But Isaiah looked forward to a day when a new king from the line of David would come and deal with evil, but in a surprising way. The king would become a servant, and not just serve, but also suffer and die for the evil committed by his own people, and his life would be offered as a sacrifice. This is the promise Jesus believed he was fulfilling. He's the king of Israel, suffering and dying on the cross. In fact, Jesus himself used Isaiah's words when he said that he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that word ransom refers to his sacrifice of atonement. And so all over the New Testament, we hear about how Jesus' death was an atoning sacrifice for us. It covered the debt that humans owe God for contributing to all of the evil and death in his world. But the New Testament authors also talk about Jesus' death as providing purification. And so we hear about Jesus' blood as a symbol of his life, having this ability to wash away the vandalism that evil has caused in us and around us, so we can now live at peace with God. So that's the meaning behind Jesus' death. But there's more to the story. Yeah, the New Testament makes this powerful claim that Jesus' death was not final. He rose from the dead. And so he's the sacrifice who broke the power of death and evil, which means that he lives on to offer his life to anyone who will accept it. He is the perfect sacrifice to which all the previous sacrifices were pointing all along. So because of Jesus, the early Christians stopped participating in the ritual of animal sacrifice. But they were given new rituals. There are two that Jesus taught his followers to perform. The first is called baptism. Just as Jesus died, so going into the water becomes this personal connection you now have to his death. 
And in coming out of the water, you, so to speak, come back to life with Jesus. So baptism is the sacred ritual that joins your story to Jesus' death and his resurrection. The second ritual is called the Lord's Supper, which is a reenactment of Jesus' last meal with his disciples, and he used bread and wine to portray his coming death as a sacrifice. And so now, followers of Jesus, they take the bread and the cup regularly to remember and to participate in the power of Jesus' death and in his life. So these rituals, they remind us of God's love and encourage us to live a life of love and grace. But they do more than that. They connect us to a new life source. The very power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that can deal with the evil in our own lives and transform us into people who lead lives of love and peace. How good is that? So good. He uncaged us. It's extraordinary, isn't it? And the day of his resurrection, he said, I'm going to entrust the continuing of that work to you. What a responsibility we have. Whoever we forgive will be forgiven. Whoever we don't forgive will not be forgiven. That is a huge deal. You feel that? You guys, just like the priest took that blood and flicked it to bring purification, to wipe away the vandalism, <laughs> right? The extent to which our evil toward each other spreads out, covers our society, we are covered in the blood of Christ. We have been washed clean. We are the blood droplets sprinkled out so people can experience the atonement, the purification, the setting free from the cage of sin. Is that not like mind-blowing? You have been placed by God to minister forgiveness and set people free. How's that going? <laughs> How are you doing with that? When I'm on the, dry, on the road, someone cuts me off, <laughs> I'm not really doing that. <laughs> you guys, the only way people on this planet will experience the forgiveness of God firsthand is through encounters with us when we are pouring out undeserved forgiveness. Ooh. Um, we are way ahead, sorry. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 21 puts it like this. <clears throat> this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Once caged, now uncaged, right? And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. 
God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ and who, who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is our calling. This is our ministry. You guys, the Great Commission without this is not a thing. If you're trying to make disciples and you're not doing it with a platform, a base, a foundation of forgiveness, it's not a thing. Forgiveness is our DNA. It is our lifeblood. It is our everything. Without it, we are caged too. <laughs> we change things. So... <laughs> I have an extremely difficult person in my life. Um, very, very many, many painful years. And uh, some, some years ago, I was talking to my mum about it. And I said to her, I'm done with this lady. <laughs> I'm done. Her toxicity is beyond what I should have to endure. I'm out. So I am going to cut her out of my life, and I will no longer have anything to do with her at all. And my mum walks with Jesus, and so she said, what has Father God said to you about that? Did he tell you to cut her out of your life? Or is that just your decision? You're just, you know, dang it. So she said, you need to go back to Father God and ask him what to do. And if you don't know what to do, then you ask him again and again and again and again until you know what to do. Only do what God wants you to do. Don't do anything else until you know. So I actually uh, went right then. I had some spare time. I had my Amplified Bible with me, and I went to a quiet place, and I talked to God about it. And I realized for a lot of years I'd tried to forgive, and I'd tried to move things forward. I had talked to her. I had explained things. It was like yelling at a brick wall. Anyone else feel the same way? It's like you explain something, doesn't change a thing. Why did I even say anything? Ugh. It's just too painful. So I felt the Lord tell me to read the Lord's Prayer. You know the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father in heaven, holy is your name, right? You guys know the Lord's Prayer. All right, so we're digging in. Matthew 6. This is partway through. And forgive us our debts, sins, moral failures, as we have forgiven our debtors, letting go of both the wrong and the resentment. Hmm. Okay, so forgive mine as I forgive hers. That's difficult. And lead us not into temptation. Lead us astray from situations where we are vulnerable and have the opportunity to sin, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you of your reckless and willful sins. And what Father said to me was, she is reckless. 
She is not willful. She is recklessly sinning and hurting you. She is spinning in pain and hurting all kinds of people recklessly. She doesn't know what she's doing. You want her to acknowledge, be sorry, apologize. She will never, ever be able to do that. Also, you are reckless and you hurt people all the time and you don't know. And I forgive you. And you need to forgive her, you guys. <laughs> I was just undone. We don't know how awful we are, <laughs> right? We're just so used to pointing out how awful everyone else is. Reckless is an unawareness about how we're functioning. And you guys, when you have been living in a cage of unforgiveness for so many years, we are all recklessly sinning. We are just spinning out of control, right? Why would I hold anyone account to that when I can't even control it in my own life? It changed me. I'm telling you. <laughs> it was like... I had tried for so many years to get a hold of this issue with this lady. And in that moment, God had fixed, like, <laughs> I don't know, I melted, you know? We know forgiveness is powerful. As a culture, we know. Whether you know God or not, do you know there's all kinds of medical articles about the power of forgiveness? Do you know this? Human forgiveness is super powerful. We know it. <laughs> They're finding that it's linked to all kinds of illnesses. Unforgiveness causes stuff. Digestive stuff, anxiety, arthritis, cancer. It's like, I'm not saying that anyone that has those things is living in unforgiveness. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying we're seeing effects Doctors are telling patients now, forgive people. Write a list of people you're holding issues with and just go forgive them. Yeah. We know human forgiveness is powerful. Can I just say, that is nothing compared to the forgiveness of God. Human forgiveness, meh. <laughs> but this true, holy, cage-breaking forgiveness is, oh, well, guys, it's salvation. It's new life. It's eternity. It's everything. Human forgiveness can't uncage people. It's like sticking your hand through the cage and going like this <laughs> to someone. Like, forgive you, you know? Anyway, we need the big, big forgiveness. All right, we're not done with Matthew 6. You ready to keep going? Buckle your seatbelts. If you do not forgive others, nurturing your hurt and anger with the result that it interferes with your relationship with God, then your Father will not forgive your trespasses. What? No, 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 wait, 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 wait. God says, come, let us talk it over. I can turn your crimson sins to be white as snow. Or, you know, he is faithful to, to fulfill his promise. You confess your sins, he'll forgive you. We have passages that explain that. Why 
would he make forgiveness contingent? This does not seem like a good loving God. Well, yes, I have forgiveness for you, but there's a condition. Does that seem like God? Why? It's because you have to choose. Do you want to deal with cages? Or do you want to deal with freedom? It's a two-way street, man. (laughs) Right? If you want to live in the freedom that God has for you, you have to give it to other people. You can't just accept freedom and then not give it out. True? Otherwise... We're just dealing with cages again. He forgives, we forgive. No acknowledgement, no apology, no change needed. We forgive like he forgives. All right. Matthew 18. This is a parable that Jesus taught. Then Peter came to him. We love Peter. Who loves Peter now? We talked about Peter a few weeks ago. No. (laughs) I love Peter. Every time his name comes up now, I'm like, oh, Peter. Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? It's a good amount. Seven's God's number. Teacher's pet. He was really trying. Um, No, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. You guys, he might as well have been like a gazillion. That is a big number. You know, he upped it. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. (laughs) Millions. You can't repay this in a lifetime, right? Millions. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Not possible. (laughs) This is an empty promise. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. Incredible. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Repayable in a lifetime. True. A debt that could be paid back. He grabbed him by the throat, successive, and demanded instant payment. Oh, instant? His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Much more difficult to pay a debt back when you can't work and you're in prison. This wasn't about getting his money back. This was about vengeance, power, right? When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. Impossible. He's never paying millions back. That's what my heavenly father will do if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Come on! 
God has forgiven us so much. If we can't extend it to others, we are not his. Challenging, right? <laughs> Mark eleven twenty five to 26. Whenever you stand praying, that's why we stand during worship and prayer. Did you guys know that? <laughs> Examples that we like to copy. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him. Drop the issue, let it go. Okay, so anytime you're standing praying, so that would be Sunday or if you pray at home, right? Anytime we're talking to Jesus. If you have anything against anyone, someone cut you off, you hate your coworker, you have a very difficult family member, you have a crazy lady like I did, I don't know, drop it, let it go. So that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions and wrongdoings against him and others. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your transgressions. We're on repeat. <laughs> this is not a thing that Jesus spoke about a few times. This is a thing Jesus spoke about a lot. Because again, this is the kingdom of God. This is the basis of everything. Can we go more? You ready? Romans, you ready to go into Romans? <laughs> okay, thanks, Robert. Oh, no, Colossians. Okay, Colossians first. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Take note. Anyone offend you? Feel a little offended? Getting offended? Guess what God says? Drop it. Anyone, everyone, be unoffendable. This is a bit counterculture, wouldn't you say? God's people are forgiveness people. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. All right, now Romans. Bless those who persecute you. So not just forgive, on top of that, make them cookies. Don't curse them. That's hard. Pray that God will bless them. What? Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Do you think that your unforgiveness cage is anything compared to the vengeance that God will have on your behalf? You don't want to take vengeance on the people that have hurt you. Your vengeance is meep. His vengeance is massive. You can let it go. He will take care of it. He does not let evil go unpaid. Do you understand what I'm saying? I know that in this room, because I know some of your stories, that you have been hurt extremely deeply. God will have vengeance. Your job is to forgive. It may take the rest of your life 
but pursue forgiveness. Go after it with everything you can. You don't want to live in the cage realm, you know? Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. <laughs> I just like the snarkiness of that whole thing. Don't let evil conquer you. Conquer evil by doing good. This is who we are. One more doozy. Are you ready for the doozy? Okay. The woman who came to Jesus and washed his feet with perfume in her hair. Do you remember her? She was a shameful human. People treated her with a lot of, what? What's the word? Detest? Like, disdain. Do you know what Jesus said about her? I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. If you are struggling to connect with God relationally, it may be that you have not received forgiveness from him. I'm just wondering if there is a connection here. Do you see it? When we understand how much we've been forgiven and we accept his forgiveness, we admit our fault, we confess our sin, we point it out, we let it go, you know, and we accept his forgiveness. Do you know what that does? It makes you a deep vessel to experience his love. If we don't, we won't. <laughs> That's a doozy, isn't it? I want to know all of God's love. Here's the thing. I was created to experience the full love of God. Anything less than that, I don't want that life. So whatever it's going to take, <laughs> whatever it's going to take, I want to do it. It feels essential, right? It feels huge. We have to decide, are we forgiveness people or not? I think we just have to decide. You know what Jesus didn't do in that room when he was like, receive the Holy Spirit? <sighs> whoever you forgive is, not, is forgiven. Whoever you don't is not forgiven. You know what he didn't do? And here's a little fruit of the Spirit gift. It's a, you won't ever feel pain again so you can forgive anyone real quick. He didn't give us any kind of inoculation against pain. He didn't make it quick and easy. He didn't say, here's forgiveness, and now it's super easy because <laughs> I'm giving, you know what I'm saying? He didn't say that. He was like, here, here's some hard work. Forgive people. So if you're like, it's so hard. Yes, it is. So hard that, that, that Jesus had to die for it. That's how hard. Who are you? Someone who deals in cages or someone who throws keys for, free, for freedom. I want to be a key thrower. I want to be a set you free person, right? We're doing this reset series. It's been a lot of like going back to basics. 
This is the one that I feel like God has for us today. Today, make a choice, a change choice in your life. I am a forgiveness person. Not human forgiveness. Sovereign God forgiveness. Yeah? Throw it out to people like it's going out of fashion. Just, just do it. That lady that I forgave, the next time I talked to her, it was different. I was changed, but I'm telling you, she was changed. I do not know how to describe it to you, but (laughs) I forgave her and it changed her. I'm still in relationship with that lady. It's actually enjoyable. I am shocked. But it turns out when you set a caged beast out of a cage and they get to feel freedom, they get to be their real selves. It could be that the person in your life that is behaving badly is behaving badly because your unforgiveness is keeping them caged. Also, if this is our mission as a body, to be forgiveness, to be blood splattered for purification across the planet, could it be that these hurts in our personal lives are actually the training ground that we need to be equipped to bring forgiveness to the whole world? If you can't forgive your weird aunt, how can you forgive whole nations. Do you know what I'm saying? This personal arena of forgiveness, it's not the end, it's just the beginning. So, can we take a moment and pray and ask Father, is there someone you would want me to forgive today? Let's just do one. (laughs) And let's ask him which one. Okay, don't just assume. Okay, can we do that? So Father, we just bring our hearts to you. Teach us to be forgiveness people. God, we want to know how to forgive how you do, not how humans do. It's not enough. Teach us how to forgive your way. Who do you want me to forgive? Once you have a name or a picture of them in your mind, ask the Lord, what do you want to say about that person? Father, teach me, show me how to forgive them. We're heading to Thanksgiving. If you have a difficult person on your horizon,
I want to encourage you to set them free from that cage before you have to see them face to face. (laughs) You could bring freedom, atonement and purification into their lives. You could be the ambassador that God sent for their redemption on this planet. You could be it. You could be the one that he chose to bring them to him. Is that extraordinary? Let's take communion together, guys. I want to encourage you to add forgiveness to your prayer uh, routine. (laughs) Real God forgiveness. Maybe make a list of the names of the people that cause knots in your tummy or anger to flare up and start bringing them to him and ask him what to do. It'll be a different world when we engage in this kind of forgiveness, don't you think? In Matthew 26, he says, This is my body. Take it and eat. We take Jesus' body into us and we say, I accept your calling of reconciliation. This is my blood poured out to forgive the sins of many. (laughs) This is forgiveness. When we drink it, we say, I take and accept your forgiveness and I choose to be an ambassador for your forgiveness.